Welcome to KXA News Today. Here are your Friday morning headlines. We have a live look this morning out at Austin's airport. Busiest travel season of the year is here. Memorial Day weekend kicking off today. Travelers out there in force getting an early start. And we will have a live report with Dylan McKim in just a moment checking out how things are looking. And the free Zilker shuttle starts back up this weekend. Tomorrow it starts, it runs through September 4th, and it's gonna run weekends and holidays from 10 in the morning till six at night. It is completely free. The trial for an Austin police officer charged with murder isn't starting this week. Travis County Court still working to get a jury together for Christopher Taylor. He is accused of shooting and killing Michael Ramos in 2020. Currently seven jurors are seated in this case and the court needs to get another 14. We're going to start off with some breaking news this morning. A man is dead after a driver hits them in South Austin. I'm Sally Hernandez. And I'm Tom Miller. Police say this man was walking illegally on the West Bend White Service Road when he was hit. It's by South First Street and St. David's Medical Center. That driver staying on scene and is cooperating. Right now, they're not facing any charges. Eastbound service road from Bannister to James Casey and the First Street exit ramp are all closed. More breaking news from overnight. Two people in the hospital this morning after being stabbed on a Capitol Metro bus. This happened around 1030 last night. This is on South Congress Ave, just north of Old Torf Street. One person might not make it, the other still fighting for their life. Police do have a suspect in custody. First warning weather with meteorologist Rich Siegel. And good morning everyone. Kristen has the morning off. We start with a look at clouds and radar. Had no rain overnight and no rain at the present time. We're going to be dry through the day today and through much of this holiday weekend. Visibility fine this morning. No issues with fog. Temperatures pretty standard in, in the mid and upper 60s ranging from 64 at San Saba to 68 at several locations including Camp Mabry. Normal low today is 70 so we're again below. Uh, we have light wind this morning out of the northeast to east and later on today more of an east wind at around 5 to 10. Sunshine, fair weather clouds through the day today. We will peak in the upper half of the 80s this afternoon, which will be a few degrees below the normal high for the day, which is 90 degrees. So we'll give you the holiday weekend forecast. Still no spike in temperatures. We'll take that too. And NOAA's 2023 Atlantic hurricane forecast coming up in our show this morning in first warning weather. Thank you, Rich. The Texas House could vote today to impeach one of the most powerful state Republicans, Attorney General Ken Paxton. The House Ethics Committee heard hours of evidence this week, and it accuses the state's top law enforcement official of committing several felonies and abusing power to help wealthy donors. Just before adjourning last night, House lawmakers receiving a copy of the articles of impeachment against Ken Paxton. That ethics committee says it intends to put it to a vote as soon as all members have had a chance to review that evidence. And that could be as soon as today or tomorrow. And if that happens, it means that he will have to vacate his office immediately pending a trial and verdict from the Senate. Representative of the Attorney General Paxton appeared before the, off the House General Investigating Committee yesterday. He was trying to go inside the doors and argue his case. House rules do not allow unannounced witnesses in that type of hearing, so he was turned away. But he did talk to reporters outside to say that this effort is unjustified. These accusations were against General Paxton, have been presented against him for years. He defeated three primary challengers last year. He won by 10 points in the general election. There's nothing new that anyone heard yesterday. 
The voters have rejected these smears. They've rejected these attacks. And this committee is trying to undermine the will of the voters. Paxton has been under felony indictment for securities fraud charges for the entire time that he has been in office. So what exactly are the next steps here? Here's what the Texas Constitution says on the matter. With the articles of impeachment recommended to the full House, only two thirds of all 150 members need to be present for a quorum. And to actually vote to impeach a simple majority will do. The session ends in just a few days, but the House can do this after session ends and convene itself for impeachment purposes. The rules are different somewhat when it gets to the Senate for a trial. Taking a closer look here, Ken Paxton's wife, Angela Paxton, currently serves as a state senator. Politics professor from the University of Houston telling us that we are in unprecedented territory here and just how rare this situation is. There's no rule in the Constitution that requires a member to step aside if they have a conflict of interest. There are disclosures that financially prevent people from being able to hide things. But in this case, we're on a bit of uncharted territory since we rarely impeach people and we very infrequently have relatives who are members of the same uh, party and, and same area. We will continue to follow the latest developments tied to the Texas Attorney General's possible impeachment online right now. You can read Paxton's full response and also take a closer look at the charges against him. That's at KXAN.com. Lawmakers promised at the beginning of this legislative session that they were going to help teachers, but they're running out of time to pass bills that would do it. KXAN's Nabil Ramanda looks at the impact on school districts if certain legislation doesn't pass. Lander ISD wants to raise salaries. You, know, you obviously have to, you want to take care of your employees. That's your, your top priority. Right now, they're looking at a few compensation plans ranging from 3% to 5% increases. That number could dictate how attractive they are to potential employees. If one district does something you know, really, really high, then you know, that affects how we, how we have to compete. But like many districts increasing their salaries, there could be cuts to programs or even positions if lawmakers don't increase school funding. So a lot of districts are really trying to say, okay, if, if we this is going to be our focus, then there's only X number of dollars. So what, 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 what has to give? The state is woefully underfunding our public schools. The Texas State Teachers Association says public education will suffer without more money from the state. We had hopes that with a $33 billion budget surplus, that something would be done to help um, our educators stay in the profession. So we're really forcing local communities, local school districts to make impossible decisions. Representative James Tallarico has pushed for more funding. He had hopes House Bill 100 would help before the Senate lumped in a school voucher program. I'm disappointed that the Texas Senate is holding our House teacher pay raise bill hostage in order to pass their private school voucher scam. Nabil Ramadna, KXAN News. Governor Abbott has pushed for the school vouchers that would allow parents to get state money to send their kids to schools outside the state's public education system, arguing that would give parents more control. Well, what is next for a bill giving parents more say about what goes on in the classroom? And a new system, an alert system approved how it's bridging the gap between when a child goes missing and when an Amber Alert can be issued. 
Good morning. It is a lovely start to your Friday. Live look outside from our Georgetown Ewok Kubota camera. Looking out live at I-35. Traffic moving along nicely. Want to tell you that Texas is now a step closer to barring kindergarten through 12th grade students from receiving any lesson that mentions mentions sexual orientation and gender identity. The Texas Senate passed its version of a bill that now includes a provision that schools may not provide instruction, guidance, activities, or programming regarding sexual orientation or gender identity. Legislation also affects parental rights, stating that a parent has the right to direct the moral and religious training of their child and make decisions concerning the child's education. The Texas House of Representatives will now need to agree to the revisions in the conference committee before it goes over to the governor's desk so we can sign it possibly. Hurricane season begins next week and we're looking at the seasonal hurricane forecast and how it could impact us. Jury selection continues again for an Austin police officers on trial for murder. Why the trial is being pushed back. The 2023 Atlantic hurricane season begins just one week from today. And earlier today, NOAA released its seasonal hurricane forecast. Check it out. NOAA is calling for a near normal hurricane season, a lot like we had last year. They're predicting between 12 and 17 storms, five to nine of which could become hurricanes, and between one and four of those major hurricanes. This is pretty much in line with other forecasts for the season, calling for near normal activity. But I'll tell you what, the key word of this season is going to be uncertainty. In fact, there has never before been a hurricane season quite like this one. Let me explain why. An El Nino pattern in the Pacific Ocean is imminent, which you can see here shown by the warm waters close to the equator. This year's El Nino may actually end up being unusually strong. Over here in the Atlantic, an El Nino pattern typically squashes hurricane development, but this year that storm killing effect is in a tug of war with extremely warm water in the Atlantic, which acts like jet fuel for developing hurricanes. So which factor will win out? Only time will tell. It's also important to note that El Nino's hurricane suppressing effects only impact storms closer to the equator. Meanwhile, farther north here in the Gulf and close to Texas, El Nino does not stop hurricane formation. Now, though Texas was spared a direct hurricane strike last year, Florida saw the fifth deadliest hurricane in the modern era. Hurricane Ian ravaged the southwest part of the state, killing at least 145 people. Here on the Texas coast, hurricanes are more likely to impact us during the first half of the season, June, July, August, and September. Meanwhile, later in the season, once we get toward the fall, weather patterns tend to change. Storms from late September through November tend to form farther east and also bend eastward away from the state. Now, the Texas coast typically sees a Category 1 or 2 hurricane landfall that causes relatively minor damage every 13 years. But we see a major hurricane strike, Category 3, 4, or 5, every 31 years. Our last major hurricane landfall was Hurricane Harvey in 2017, which caused significant damage like what you see here. To see the names of the storms on this year's list, you can find this article right now on KXAN.com. David giving us that full breakdown there. <laughs> Making magic happen yeah. in the studio yeah. right over there. Pop right up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we are looking for, uh, I, I think it's going to be an average season. What, I, what I'm concerned about is, is that this may be the year that we have another one of those strong hurricanes hit our coast and right. cause some mayhem because that's what, you know, it just takes one. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, so 
But we have a very quiet weather pattern right now. Let's start with a live look from the Austonian where we are reporting a mostly fair sky with a few fair weather clouds. And right now it is 68 degrees, which is one of the warmer temperatures across the area right now. From that 68, we will climb into mostly the upper half of the 80s this afternoon on a day where the normal high is 90 degrees. Keeping my eye out on this area of showers and thunderstorms up in the panhandle, this rain has been coming in over the last several days from the northwest to the southeast. Forecasts are indicating, though, that this system will weak somewhere between Lubbock and St. Angelo. So it looks like the majority of our day today is going to be dry. We don't see any rain today. We'll find a mainly fair sky this evening with a few passing clouds overnight. And then this model brings in a little bit of rain tomorrow afternoon, which I am not buying. I think tomorrow is just going to be like today. Sunshine, fair weather, clouds and highs deep into the 80s. All right, so Saturday and Sunday. Sunday we'll see a bit more cloud cover. Then we do pick up on rain chances. This is Monday at 6 o'clock and we see some rain across the area lasting into Monday night to Tuesday morning and a higher rain chance on Tuesday afternoon. The rain wanes by Tuesday night, but I am keeping a low chance of rain in the forecast right now for Wednesday and Thursday. There could be a few heavy downpours too, especially on Tuesday when our GFS model, the American model, is suggesting some one-half inch to one inch rain totals and then again just a little bit of rain after that. All right, today's forecast from the First Warning Weather Center will go with a sunny to partly cloudy sky, a high of 89, 90 the normal high today. The wind out of the east at around 5 to 10. Seven day forecast will keep us at 89 tomorrow. The additional cloud cover will drop us into the upper 70s, 87 on Sunday, mid 80s on Monday and Tuesday with those nice rain chances, 30% Monday and 40% Tuesday. Then we're back to the upper 80s on Wednesday and Thursday with skinny rain chances during the afternoon. Thank you, Rich. Police first said that this person was a person of interest in the death of an 80-year-old man. It's the death in Pflugerville, but now he is a suspect. Austin police say they are looking for Raul Meza Jr. Investigators say he's wanted in the death of Jesse Fraga. And we're also learning Meza is a familiar name because he is a convicted killer. He went to prison in 1982 for the murder of eight-year-old Kendra Page. Page's body was found behind a dumpster in Austin. Meza was paroled twice. In 1993, he was sent back to prison after violating his parole. In 2002, the Austin community protested his move to the Dell Valley Correctional Facility. Authorities called that decision a slow retransition into the community. Austin has a new interim director of police oversight. Gail McCann is going to fill this role beginning June 5th. Interim city manager Jesus Garza saying McCann has more than 25 years of experience enforcing civil rights human rights and employee rights. McCant holds her bachelor's degree in liberal studies communications and is also a certified mediator. And this morning, the founder of the far right Oath Keepers could spend up to 18 years in federal prison in connection with those January 6 attacks on the Capitol. A jury convicting him of seditious conspiracy and NBC News's Ken Dalian reporting this morning on the longest sentence of any of those January 6 defendants to date. The most high-profile defendant in the January 6th investigation has been sentenced to nearly two decades in prison, the stiffest penalty handed out so far in what has become one of the biggest criminal probes in American history. 
Stuart Rhodes, the founder and leader of a far-right group called the Oath Keepers, was sentenced to 18 years behind bars after being convicted of seditious conspiracy, using violence to prevent the government from carrying out its lawful duties. Rhodes, one of the key figures behind the January 6th attack on the Capitol, is now facing the toughest sentence in more than a thousand prosecutions. Another key figure in the attack, former Proud Boys leader Enrique Tarrio, is scheduled to be sentenced August 30th. We'll have more coming up on the Today Show. A bill that would allow local police to quickly issue a regional alert about a missing child without having to wait for investigators to confirm that child has been kidnapped is headed to the Texas governor's office for him to sign. This new law is to create what's known as an Athena alert. This fills that gap between when a child disappears and how long it takes for investigators to confirm an abduction. It's the current threshold for an Amber alert. With this Athena alert, police can use the existing Amber Alert system. That'll quickly distribute a localized alert to people within 100 miles of that reported disappearance. It also will go out to adjacent counties getting word that a child is missing. That law named after Athena Strand. The seven-year-old North Texas girl vanished from her father's home last year. She found dead two days later. A package delivery driver confessed to accidentally hitting Athena with his vehicle and then strangling her when he said she said that she was going to go and tell her dad about it. If convicted, Strand's accused killer faces either life in prison without parole or even the death penalty. The Wise County District Attorney said they do plan to seek the death penalty in this case. Now going in depth here, the Amber Alert system was named after nine-year-old Amber Hagerman. Someone kidnapped her near Arlington in 1996. She was later found murdered and Amber's killer has never been found. Over to Williamson County this morning because it is confirming its first West Nile virus sample of the year. Mosquito trap tested positive near Geneva Park close to Quail Valley Drive. Peak mosquito season runs from now May through November. People infected with West Nile may get a fever, a headache, body aches, as well as skin rash, swollen lymph nodes. So right now on KXAN.com, we have tips on keeping those pesky mosquitoes away from a pest control experts. Good luck. The defending champion University of Texas women's rowing team is back in the national championship this weekend. They are amazing. As Noah Gross reports, McCallum alum and two-time under 23 female athlete of the year in the sport is hoping to help lift Texas to the top once again. Ready, up. To be where Kate Nifton is now didn't come easy. That was kind of something that I didn't know if I'd be able to row again after and kind of had to prepare myself like, what would I do if I didn't have rowing? October of last year brought about spine surgery, L5 and S1 joints, but the now grad student fought through it. Off the water, she's the nicest, kindest, most humble person around. But then you get on the water and it's attention go, race begins and she's a total killer. Even from the beginning, Nifton was more interested in dance after being pushed into rowing by her dad who competed for the national team. But in high school, Pop started to get his wish. My dad, he did have to bribe me to go to rowing practice. He got me some Lululemon, which at the time was all I wanted. And he would buy me juice land every day before practice to get me to go. Go. Teammates spoke extremely glowingly about Nift, and one of the first things they mentioned was how much she likes to get her nails done, something somehow not affected by rowing. Maybe I learned to row a certain way to like make sure I could row with the nails. 
The two-time All-American is from Austin, a McCallum grad who grew up around this program, a program that had not won a national title until Nifton's group in 2021 and 2022. I had really like dreamed of that moment and that was a big reason I chose Texas. Um, I just, I wanted to be part of like a building team and the first for something. Through the moments of doubt, leaving her mark in her hometown. Noah Gross, KXAN News. Thanks for joining KXAN News today. You can also listen to KXAN News Nightly every weekday after 5.30 p.m. for in-depth coverage on what matters most to you.